Hi, I'm Vicky Harris, Head of Learning at the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists. It's Friday the 11th of September, and I'd like to welcome you to the RCSLT Monthly Catch-Up with Derek Munn, who is the Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the RCSLT. Good morning, Derek. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. Good, nice to hear that. So Derek, I've been reflecting that the RCSLT podcast channel has been running for nearly a year now, and this is actually our 12th catch-up. For listeners and new listeners, that means there's quite a back catalogue of episodes from which to listen. And there's also lots of routes to access these podcasts, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Alexa, and more. So it's just to let you know that there's all these routes available to get to the content. So Derek, we're all adjusting once again, this time to wider easing of lockdown, noticeably with schools, nurseries, cinemas, museums and pubs open across the UK. Apart from obviously there are some areas which are experiencing tighter, maybe temporary restrictions. So today's new normal is very different to the new normal that we had in, in April and May. And that's a level of change that we've not really seen before. And how is RCSFT supporting ad- and advocating for speech and language therapy in this time of flux? Um, thanks, Vicky. You're right. I mean, if schools continue to open, obviously Scotland was a few weeks ago now, um, restrictions in other aspects of life are starting to come back. And this was always anticipated, that anticipated second spike, which I think particularly health professionals and particularly in the NHS always knew was likely to come, may now be underway. And obviously the, the struggle is on to contain it and, and keep it down. Um, I sometimes think that the reasons that our society members need to get in touch with us through inquiries is a good indication of where things are at right now. And if we were to judge by that, uh, the thing that members are contacting us about right now is the return to working in school settings in all of its aspects, different in all four nations, different between people employed by the NHS or independently or other employers, and differently in terms of what's being done in each local area and in some cases in each school. And working out what is safe and what is appropriate in terms of clinical practice and protective equipment and all of that stuff. It's, um, it's a challenge. We know it's a challenge and we know that you're coming to us for that. Linked to that, obviously, the, the ongoing issues around the availability of PPE, but specifically clear masks. And I think to judge by member concern and feedback, the profession is massively concerned to ensure that people with speech, language and communication needs are not disadvantaged. Um, in respect of situations where protective equipment is needed. And that means clear protective face coverings, transparent face coverings as appropriate. Now, I have to say that my advice to listeners is please check back on the RCSLT website and on the social media feeds as often as you can, because this is fast moving. As we record this today, an update to PPE guidance relating to schools is imminent. On clear masks, we are in ongoing discussion with the Department of Health about the safety specifications of the masks that they have now procured. Similar work going on in the devolved nations and getting it right in terms of advice in school settings in particular circumstances is something that's going to keep moving. So I have to ask you to make sure you're checking for the latest from us. Um, On PPE specifically, We're working with other professions, not only AHPs, but also nurses and some of the doctor specialisms to continue to advocate and pressure around the aerosol generating procedure list. We have not and we will not give up 
around the clear scientific evidence that we have put forward about what constitutes an AGP and the circumstances in which protective equipment should be provided on that basis. That carries on. We're aware too of the other big priorities, COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, rehab and telehealth. And we continue to engage with the system on both of them. Great, thank you, Derek. And you mentioned that a lot of things, uh, sources of information. Uh, I will put some links with this podcast so that people can find that information. So, uh, Derek, that sounds like you're already very busy, but I'm sure there's lots more going on that you haven't mentioned. I wonder if you can tell us some more about what you, you and your team have been up to. Certainly, Vicky. Yes, yeah, so there's been plenty going on, even though it's been supposedly the, the, the quieter summer period. Some of these things will be familiar to people if you've listened to previous podcasts, but I'll introduce them anyway. There was a debate in the House of Lords last week on the Medical Devices Bill. And if you've listened before, you'll know that this is the piece of legislation we're using to re-raise the issue of prescribing rights, giving SLTs the right to prescribe where appropriate. We're working with a range of other professions on this as well. Uh, Our Honorary Life Vice President, General Lord Ramsbotham, made his usual powerful speech. The Minister had to respond. It's a challenge to get actually the NHS system to accept that they want to move on this, but we're not going to give up. Since we last spoke, the government has announced that it's abolishing public health England. Now, we know some of all the political and other issues around that, but we have engagement with PHE, which goes beyond COVID-19, not least around children's early language. So we've written to ministers to try and get reassurance about that wider work of Public Health England going forward. Um, A former minister, Andrea Ledson, has a long-term interest in early years, and when she was in the cabinet under Theresa May, got a cabinet committee to work on early years, but it never kind of went anywhere. Now she's persuaded the current prime minister to do something from the back benches, and there is therefore a government sanction group on early years, and we're pleased that Kameny has been asked to be part of that group. I wanted to mention a piece of NICE guidance uh, on severe mental health problems. We had quite a significant win on this. When we saw the first version, it really didn't address all that we know about the links between severe mental health and language and swallowing. So we intervened quite forcefully, and we're pleased to say that the final version of that NICE guidance on severe mental health problems does appropriately recognise speech language communication and swallowing and how they relate to mental health. Obviously work on anti-racism continues to be a priority across the whole organisation and we're making an appropriate contribution from the public affairs side to that. You'll know that through our uh, Twitter feeds we've been doing a number this year where we hand over the Twitter feed either to members or to people who are service users of speech and language therapy And we're pleased that the next one's coming up on that, around head and neck cancer, and also around selective mutism. And finally, I've mentioned previously that we're doing a big user survey this autumn um, around COVID-19 and after to ensure that service user voice is heard and to inform our influencing work going forward. Obviously, if the RCSLT is doing a survey of service users, it needs to be Rolls-Royce in respect of accessibility and inclusive communication. And we're working very hard to make sure that all available formats and channels that are accessible are ready for that. Again, as usual, that is a lot of stuff and all very impressive. 
Okay. So as regular listeners will, I'm sure, know, and many of our members, the RCSLT is celebrating its 75th anniversary this year, and each month has a theme. This month's theme, uh, we are celebrating everything in the profession that's education and training orientated. Um, Derek, have you got anything you'd like to highlight relating to education and training in the profession, please? Thanks, Vicky, and thanks for the warning about this question, which gave me a chance to reflect. And obviously, there's so much that we can say, you know, not least around our roles in schools right through, and sometimes under-recognised role in secondary and in the transition to post-school. But I found myself thinking about education in a wider context as well. First, one of the things that, um, for me, with my background in linguistics, that I've always been so impressed by the sheer breadth of education that speech and language therapists have, that SLTs have anatomy and physiology, have linguistics and phonetics, child language acquisition and psychology, and all those other areas, that this is one highly educated profession. The, the second thing I was reflecting on was how the fact that we operate in the education space makes us distinctive. If I think about the work we do with the other allied health professions, there's a need to link up with local government, sure. There's a need to link up with social care, both on the adult and child side. But I think as speech and language therapists, we do have this particular engagement with the education world, and that adds a particular dimension to what we need to do in terms of public affairs and policy. But then the last thing that occurred to me on education was something that we've discussed a lot down the years around the role we have I say, I guess in public health education and in ensuring that people who have speech, language and communication needs are able to hear, receive, make decisions, express, act on public health messages, whether that's around alcohol, tobacco, obesity, all of those other things. And even this week, actually, I'm part of a, an NHS England group around environmental sustainability in the NHS and was able to feed in the role that speech and language therapy can play in messaging this stuff to people who have cognitive challenge and otherwise communication need. And it was just a helpful reminder to me of you know, what we're in business for. Okay, well that's as, as always very, very informative and very interesting to hear what's going on in, in the world of speech and language therapy. I guess we'll meet again next month, but until then, thank you ever so much and uh, take care and goodbye. <laughs>